again. Let's pray. I'm going to talk for about five minutes. I'm going to bring up our guests today, okay? Let's pray together. Lord God, we just pray that as we hear the story of your work in this city, Lord, uh, we pray that you'd show us the greater things that are still to be done. Thank you so much for these partners that we have in mission with Lambstand Ministries, Lord. We just pray we be inspired to be on the mission of God ourselves because of the stories they tell us. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. In 2008, in Arizona, an accountant, her name was Deb Welch, decided to leave her well-paying job and coordinate a 24-7 prayer initiative in the Grand Canyon State of Arizona. Just 34 days into this initiative, the Super Bowl was scheduled to be played at the University of Phoenix Stadium in Arizona. During one of Deb's group's prayer times, one of the intercessors involved had a disturbing vision of a blood-filled stadium at the Super Bowl. It was a dream she had. She saw the stadium filled with blood. The team of prayers took this vision seriously, and the morning of the Super Bowl sent a small team of prayers to the stadium to preemptively pray against this disaster. The game went down uneventfully. No disasters, no blood. The only real news, the New York Giants defeated the undefeated Tom Brady-led New England Patriots with the famous uh, David Tyree helmet catch. Remember this? But in the hours following the Super Bowl, media outlets began to report that behind the scenes at the Super Bowl, a bloody massacre had been averted. An angry and disturbed 35-year-old man named Kirk William Havelock, furious that his Halloween-themed bar idea, Drunkenstein's, had been denied a permit from the Tempe City Council. Hey, he had mailed rambling threats the day before to media outlets all over the country, saying he was going to bring swift and bloody revenge and slay the children of the people that were responsible for this. The morning of the Super Bowl, Havlick drove his car with an AR-15 rifle and 200 rounds of ammunition to the parking lot of University of Phoenix Stadium. Little did he know, he parked right in the spot, near the spot where the prayers were praying. Havelock later described in court what happened that day. He said he had no idea, but somehow in the middle of that parking lot, he had a change of heart. He called his father from the parking lot. His dad recounts that he was sobbing tearfully that he was going to do this terrible thing, but he decided to change his mind and turn himself in. Somehow, Deb and her team's sensitivity to the spirit and the prayers of her little team seemed to have helped disarm a potential killer, a massacre that would have been witnessed by hundreds of millions of people all over the world. Now, thousands of years before that Super Bowl, John wrote these words in the book of John. The word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light. Kids, there we go. Light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Today, the light shines in the darkness through ordinary followers of Jesus like Deb. And like these prayer warriors who were praying and had no idea what they were praying about, but they knew that something was seriously going on. Whenever we stand in the world as the presence of Jesus... As the light of Jesus, the darkness cannot stand against us. Even our simple prayers restrain the darkness. 
The theologian and Christian thinker Origen wrote this a couple thousand years ago. The critics of Christianity do not see how many people, in how many people, the flood of evil is restrained. And how many wild habits are tamed because of the gospel. We feel like we're losing our influence, like we're being displaced, like the church is on the outskirts, like we don't have as much influence as we once did have. But when we choose to live as the light of Jesus in the world, to join Jesus in what he's doing in the world, whatever we can, the darkness is pushed back. So how do you live as light in the world? How do you do this? Well, it's great. Jeremiah 29, an Old Testament passage, gives this great summary of what this looks like. This is what the Lord, the, the Lord of angel armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that they may have grandchildren. Multiply. Do not dwindle away. And work, this is the key line, and work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you in exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. Another version says, if it prospers, you will prosper. That word there, the peace and prosperity, that's one Hebrew word, shalom. Work for the shalom of the city to which I have sent you. You know what the word shalom, it's, it's a deep and meaningful word. It means things like wholeness, purposefulness, health, prosperity, meaning, fullness, and peace. And the darkness in the world is trying to introduce chaos, which is lack of meaning, no purpose, scarcity, right? Tearing everything down, emptiness, brokenness, that's the darkness. And if we work for the shalom, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. So how do you work for shalom? Well, you find, help someone find a job. You give someone some food. Maybe you give them a dollar out your window at the corner. You get involved with people along the way. You tutor kids who don't have a chance to maybe excel in school because they come from a different place. You, you, uh, you do God time at Brandywine. You, you connect with a neighbor, show them love. You partner with a church in the city or a ministry like Lampstand, and you walk alongside them, and the light shines in darkness. And when we pray like those ladies in Arizona... When we pray, when you pray, untold evil is held at bay. The darkness cannot overcome it. Now, one of the ways that we work for the shalom of the city is we partner with folks that maybe are better at this than us. Uh, they, they, they certainly have been called to certain spots. So I'm going to bring up our friends, Chris Langkamp and Juan Flores, Thanks, Chris. Now, just to get this straight, for those people that don't know you guys, which one is Chris and which one's Juan? We can't really tell. I'm Chris. You're Chris. <laughs> Here. Hola. Take the mic, Chris. Take the mic. Right. I just want to get that straight before we get started. So, what is Lampstand? What is Lampstand? Lampstand looks like what I see out in the audience right now. That's Lampstand. We're all a part of Lampstand. Lampstand Ministries 
reaches out to people on the west side of Chicago and reaches out to people in the suburbs. And we all work together, loving each other and looking out for each other and praying for each other and serving each other. So if you want to see Lampstand, look in the mirror. Now you, you sent me, or you drew me, Chris tried to, he tried to draw up what Lampstand is. This is his artwork, I mean it's a little kind of lame, but hey, it's alright Chris, it's alright. So, so he drew this up for us, we made it a little prettier, it's going to go on the screen now. You can see all the different things that, is, that as Chris says, Lampstand serves under these ministries, yes. right? All over the screen, so, so yes. help us understand how that works. Okay, one of the ways to shine our light is through service and through love, by spreading the love of Christ. It's uh, considering others better than yourselves. It's foot washing, like Jesus said. He said that, uh, that uh, he calls us to be like him, and then he went down and washed his disciples' feet. It's service, it's praying for one another, and we all do that together. And we're so thankful for this church that has been with us through all these years. And what we essentially do in the city is we serve everyone that God puts in our path, like the Good Samaritan. And uh, we also are fishers of men and women. And whoever God puts in our net, we're called to love them unconditionally and serve them and work for them, not them work for us. So why is it called Lampstand, Chris? It's called Lampstand because Jesus told us, for first of all, he said, we are the light of the world. And he said, you don't put your light underneath your bed or you don't put it under a bowl, you put it under a lampstand. So lampstand is a community. It's a community of believers that shine our light together. And what a lampstand is, is something that you hang your light on and helps you get your light seen uh, brighter and further. And that's what we all need to do to help each other in the kingdom of God. So, hey, Juan, I got a question for you. What, what does darkness look like in the city? No different than it looks like here in Elmhurst. You're kidding me. Uh, out here is camouflage a little different. So we, can, we got a camouflage here in Elmhurst or darkness? Well, we, we, we all have sin. And the most beautiful thing about it is that we all have to depend on God to forgive us. And the most beautiful miracle that we all have in common is the gift of forgiveness. Will you agree? So it doesn't matter where you're at. I mean, ugly is ugly, right? But the beauty of God's love forgiving us, no matter whether we're in the city or in the suburbs, we all have to depend on that beautiful grace that invests in us. So we all have one thing in common, a need for a savior to love the hell out of us. That's good, Juan, that's good. I thought you were swearing for a second. <laughs> then I realized what you were saying. I got it now. All right. So what? Uh, 
tell me some of the things you guys are doing. So, like, I've been down there. Like, we, we went by Drug Donald's the other day, Chris, you and I. Yes. What's Drug Donald's all about? What's going on over there? Well, this is Chris's name for it, Drug Donald's. But kind uh, of a bad name, but. Yeah, I. Uh, well, in it, like in any place in the world, there's different hot spots where people are in real need of hope. And I call it Drug Donald's because people are lined up in their cars and then they pay the guy and then they go to the next person and get the bag of drugs and then they go out the parking lot or out, uh, out the other side of the liquor store. And we just hung out there. But, you know, we all have drug Donald's around us. We all know people who are hopeless, who are struggling, who are in need, who are in love, who are in need for us to present them to the Father on the throne of grace through prayer. I'm, I'm a bit of a knucklehead, and Juan knows that. I have a hard head. And one of the best ways that I've found to minister to people at the drug Donald's that we have in our lives and to minister even to myself is through prayer. Uh, rarely have I seen people's lives change because of Chris Lankamp's eloquent words or convincing ability. It's because I got on my knees and started praying a blessing of grace over them and love, that they would know the love of Christ and that the Lord would open their eyes to see the light, kids. So we need to shine our lights on the lampstand that we're all a part of through prayer and through unconditional love and for looking out for people. Hey, so how, how did this get started? How did you get into this? Well... I had, a, I had a hard head, and I still do. I, I'm a part of Hard Heads Anonymous, and uh, we're, we're, we're all in recovery, and we need to make that, you know, some of us other things and some of us other things. Uh, but um, I was really uh, searching. I was an accountant at Avalon Petroleum Company. I had a really good job, and... I kind of had uh, the missions bug in me because we did some mission work in uh, in uh, uh, a jungle in uh, South America, and it was amazing. A lot of miracles happened, and so I went through a time of prayer and fasting. And one night I was on my knees praying to the Lord and begging Him. With all my heart, I'm like, Lord, please show me what to do. Show me what I need to do. And he said, if you want to know me better, I want you to reach out to those on the west side whom society has forgotten. I want you to minister to the outcasts. And I've never been past uh, Harlem Avenue before then. And so I asked a friend of mine where are rough places on the west side. And it was such a strong call. I went there the, uh, the night after I had this experience. And then the night after, and it just grew. 
And this goes to show this was not Chris Langkamp. Lampstand is not Chris Langkamp. It's Jesus. Jesus Christ is the head of Lampstand. And we're just called to be obedient to him. And he makes it grow. He causes people to get saved. And he causes us to love one another. Hey, Juan, how'd you get into this? Um, actually, I'm, I am a recovering heroin addict. And I used to love getting high. I mean, some people here might have a different excuse. I loved it. But someone talked to me about they had something better than I was addicted to. And they shared with me the love of Christ. I didn't think that Christ could love anybody like me. And this individual invested in me. And it all started with an individual that inconvenienced himself to look out for my interests and bent over backwards for me, invested in me, cared for me, was there when I was doing good, was there when I was doing bad. And I just, I just fell in love with God. And so he said, just, the secret ingredient to serving the Lord is learn to love God more than you love your drugs. And he was there for me throughout the whole journey, teaching me about the love of God and to not worry about nothing because I was in good hands, that God was going to invest in me and make a difference and transform my life. I have a special gift of being illiterate. I was illiterate to the age of 28. Does anybody know what they call an illiterate person before you learn that word? Besides stupid? Well, this person said, you have an advantage because of your illiteracy. You don't know how to read and write. So it's going to be easier for you to totally depend on God's people to invest in you. And little did I realize the beauty of being stupid and asking people to help me. And so many people invested in me and made a difference in my life. And I'm very thankful. I'm reaching 72 years of age, and a lot of the people from the same kind of fellowship throughout the suburbs invested in me. And so um, I, I want to share with you something that made a difference that nobody's going to understand. An individual that didn't know me came up to me and asked me to invest in Chris Lampcamp. He became the most beautiful friend that I've ever known as a man that loved God. He would come and visit me when God would send me to Humble Park. He came and visit me when God would send me to Westtown. He came and visit me when God would send me to Lawndale. Everywhere God sent me, whatever ministry I was involved, he would come and visit me to see how I was doing. And he was a crazy man that no matter where he was, he would wear suspenders like this. So I'm honored to wear these suspenders because he thought I was worth investing in. And if you're an individual that feels rejected by everybody and somebody calls you a friend and is willing to invest in you, the love of God makes a big difference when it's displayed by a human being.
um, year, years ago in the 1990s, Juan invested in me. And so I think a lot of the outreach stuff I know how to do started with Juan Flores in the city of Chicago in Humboldt Park. I would spend a week down there every summer, and we, uh, he invested in me. So I learned a lot about investing in others, loving others. Um, it was great. So tell us how you invest in people through Lambstand. How do you guys invest in people? You know, you're in, this, you're in the streets of Chicago there. We hear, out here we hear about people getting shot and all kinds of stuff going on. And, you know, you and I were walking down the street the other day down there. We didn't get shot. We, we, we made it through. Um, so how do you invest in folks where you're living? We point to Jesus Christ. That's, that's, the, that's the first way to invest in somebody is to show them the love of Christ and to serve them and to love them. And we do that often. We, we have certain vehicles that we use to do that through feeding, through uh, evangelism, uh, through clothing drives, through service projects, through outreach events. And uh, while we're doing that, we're teaching them a type of love that the world doesn't teach. It's called God's love. And that love, agape love, is so much different. It's looking out for their best interest. And it's unconditional love. It's unconditional love. And... I think one thing that's very important is when you love somebody, you, you also have to be willing to learn from them as well. I learn more from the people I minister to than I think they learn from me. And I think that was a big uh, surprise that God had for me from the beginning, is that the minister would become the guy that got ministered to the most. And I've, there's, there's a couple young men over here that have invested in me for a while, and I want them to raise their hands. <laughs> and I learn more from them than I know that they've learned from me. And they are such a blessing to me. And I can say that about everybody. I feel like this church has been with us from the beginning, and we aren't able to do what God's called us to do in the city without you guys, because we are all a part of what his plan is for the city. His plan is for the city. His plan is for the city is for his children to love one another and for the world to see us loving one another and then loving the people in the world and pointing to Jesus. So, so. Chris, we're going to meet a couple of folks you've invested in. So let's, okay. we're going to run this video. I we went down there, interviewed a few folks. Check this out. Here's a few people that Chris has invested in. Chris and Juan have invested in. You know, um, I was shot my face, and it was a super crazy situation because, like, I seen um, just last night um, someone who was shot in their face, and they survived. And the doctor said, like, this doesn't happen. Like. No one is shot in their head and survives. And for it to happen to me, God shielded me from that. It just showed that God was really in my life. Just God just had has his hand on my life. And you know, they say um, 
Uh, in the church, you don't look like what you've been through. And I just, really, I'm a testament to that, that I don't look like what I've been through. Yeah, I'm just, my child just growing in, in God. Like, um, you know, I think of it like an iPhone, like um, when your battery's down and uh, your battery's getting low and your phone's about to die. Like, I could relate that to my life. Like, um, my charge with God was just dying. And on the inside, I feel like um, because of my surroundings, it was just draining my, my battery on the inside. And I feel like since I've gotten connected with women again, my, 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 my charge on the inside with God is just charging and charging and charging. And it's like, it's on 100% now. I'm supercharged. Hello, my name is Derek Anderson, and I'm a current freshman at Wheaton College. And I am so grateful and thankful for the work that Chris Langkamp and Lampstead Church has done. I'm grateful for for Chris and how he invested in students like me to go into high school and further myself into college. And it, it has been a major milestone to be to work with him through the pandemic and to work alongside my mentor, Mike Trout, Will Chapman. Kim George, and many others in the North Lawndale community. So I'm, I'm thankful for this opportunity and thankful for the position that I'm in now as a Wheaton College student, continuing a legacy of mentoring and service to others. Thank you. So Jason, how did you get so uh, led astray to become a White Sox fan? Oh, no, so, <laughs> not, so it's so funny, you said let us straight, but it actually has, no, seriously, it has sentimental value, so my, bro, my brother, my oldest brother, who was actually, uh, was murdered when I was a kid, he was a big Sox fan, so uh, it was easy for me to become a Sox fan. Okay, I was going to try to convert you to being a Cubs fan. Cut the camera off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, my name is Sweetest Holmes, and this is what Jesus has done for me. So, Jesus has put a lot, not just in my heart, but like people around me is the support system that I have. Because I'm from K-Town, I'm from North Glendale, and a lot of people like me, specifically black men like me, don't really get a chance to make it out. And based off of the support system that I got, coming through white men, meeting my mentor will and stuff like that, I've been able to thrive into the person I am today. I'm currently standing right here, just completed my bachelor's of science with psychology, and now I'm working on getting my master's in communications. And I just feel like I'm blessed. You know what I'm saying? Cause I 2016, you know, um, I... So, Chris, <clears throat> that first guy, Jameer, he said he was shot in the face. When I, when I talked to him that day, he said he was shot in the face. What? Was he a miracle? It, it's, it was definitely a miracle. Um... He was walking home from the center where, where Juan and I serve, and uh, a gang member wanted to have a fight with him. And he defended himself and, and beat up the, the gang member. And so the guy ran in his house and came running back out, and Jameer was walking, and he walked up to him point blank and shot him in the face. And it went in right here, and for some reason, the bullet split in three fragments, and it stopped right before it hit any nerves or anything in his eye, and it stopped before it hit the brain. It was like a, a wall was there. 
And that doesn't happen when you get shot point blank in the face. Usually it's pretty messy. And uh, two weeks later, I went to one of our one of the outreach events that uh, we were working at, and he was manning one of the booths. Uh, so he was out of the hospital pretty quick. He had he sees fine out of his eye, uh, no brain damage or anything. And so I keep reminding uh, Jameer that God has wonderful things in store. He works for Menards right now, and he's gotten... Uh, he told me, a, a, employee of the month seven times. Yeah, right? yeah. He told me, amazing. Yeah, so, and I'll drive by there, and he's out in the parking lot, and it's a rough parking lot. There's, there's a lot of guys, I don't, my wife sometimes wants to go there, and I don't let her, but... Uh, <laughs> She, uh, uh, he's out there running around uh, picking up uh, newspapers that are blowing around the parking lot in the wind. And he was so excited the other day, he called me and he's like, yeah, I've been witnessing to my boss and to my uh, co-workers because they were asking me how I can get employee of the month so many times. And he said, it's Jesus Christ. He's the one that allows me to get employee of the month. That's awesome. All right, that's awesome. So, I like to I like to pray for these guys. I mean, we could keep going here for a long time. They got lots of stories. You really should go down into the city and hang out with them. We'll have some opportunities. I'll tell you about at the end of the service. But let's just if you'd hold your hands out toward them, that'd be awesome. Let's just pray for them. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have planted, that you called these two men and all their partners into a, in the, in the city, Lord, and that you have given them the, um, the commitment and the fortitude and the perseverance to invest in people, to love them with your love, to show them that they're valuable, that God wants them back. Uh, we pray for these two men, that you would protect them with your angels, that you would surround them, that you would continue to lead them through your Holy Spirit's voice, where they should go next and what they should be up to next, Lord, that you would give us an opportunity as a congregation to come around them in countless ways and to get involved in what they're doing. Thank you so much that we get to be partners with them, that we get to be part of what they're doing in, in some small way. Thank you for sending them here this morning to tell us their stories. In your name, Jesus, we pray all these things. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. You can give, give yourself a hand. Give yourself a hand. <laughs> <laughs>